You're listening to Knowing Faith, a podcast of Training the Church. My name is Kyle Worley, and I will be regularly joined by my co-host, Jen Wilkin and JT English. Knowing Faith is a podcast that's dedicated to communicating issues of theological clarity and biblical literacy. So we want to help dig into the Bible and what it says and what it means for the everyday believer. We believe the Bible is for everyone. And so we want to help resource the church effectively around the topics that the Bible addresses, who God is, what he has done, and what our response to him should be. So every couple of weeks, we will get together and we will do theology with one another, JT, Jen, and myself, and we'll be regularly joined by guests both internal and then also external subject matter experts and scholars from around the world who will help us think critically about what the Bible has to say and how that should shape the way that we live. On this episode, we're going to be talking about why we've started this podcast, who we are, why we're passionate about theological clarity and biblical literacy. And we're going to be talking about what we believe are some of the most crucial doctrinal and biblical issues facing the life of the church today. We hope you enjoy the discussion. This is Kyle here, and I'm here with Jen Wilkin and JT English. And as we jump in today, it would probably be helpful to talk a little bit about why the three of us in particular are passionate about this topic, biblical literacy and theological education in the church, and why we're qualified to host a podcast that looks to resource the church in this area. So who are we and what do we do? Jen, you want to kick us off? Who are who is it's like Jen? the deepest epistemological <laughs> yeah. question? Who ever. is <laughs> Jen Wilkin? <laughs> so just uh, thirty seconds. Who are you? Okay, who am I? Um, well, at the village, I'm responsible for classes for all of our adults, and so we look for ways to equip the person who's sitting in the pews with basic ground level theological training and then also biblical literacy. So probably the biggest component of the classes that we're doing are the Bible classes where we're going through entire books of the Bible from start to finish. And that's just because convictionally, I really believe that firsthand knowledge of the text is probably our best and and, and certainly our first line of defense against error. So I'm just looking to get people as close to their sacred texts as possible. I think that historically, or at least for the last 30 years or so in the church, we've had a fairly casual relationship with our Bible, and we've been content to take in information at second hand. And in light of the shifts that are going on in the culture around us, that's just not going to serve us anymore. So I'm eager to have the chance to get the Bible back into the hands of the people who say it's the most important book out there. That's good. How long have you been involved in Bible teaching in the life of the church? I've been teaching either formally or informally, you know, in some relationship to my local church for almost 20 years now, which is kind of hard to believe. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. That really is. So you were like two. Um, 20 years? I was uh, seven years <laughs> <Okay>. old. <laughs> I was in the second grade. I bet I was precocious, though. I was reading delightful. Calvin's Institute. Yeah. So, not quite. <laughs> Smoking a cigar. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not that. I was a Southern Baptist home, so you could have a little dose of Calvin, but no cigars. Oh, gotcha. JT, who are you? Yeah, I'm a pastor here at The Village. I get to oversee what we call The Village Church Institute. I've been here about three years now, and uh, I would just kind of echo what Jen said. I just have a passion to see people know their Bibles, to be shaped and formed theologically and spiritually here. That's really a large part of, of my story and kind of coming to faith. I uh, came to faith in college and uh, uh, three or four years after having come to know the Lord, I really felt this call to ministry, but I hadn't been trained in any way, shape or form. So I went to my pastor and said, hey, I think I want to do what you do. Can you help me do that? And he said, 
Nope. <laughs> <laughs> said, well, I'm glad he was honest. Yeah, yeah. He's like, he's like, you need to get some kind of formal theological education. You need to go to seminary. You know, all these things. And I, I didn't even know what that was. I was really kind of a post-Christian secular background. I had no idea about any of this stuff. And so uh, that conversation really became pivotal for me because then I did go on to seminary and I'm grateful for my experience there. I would encourage others to do it. But then I just kept thinking to myself, uh, really kind of one of the questions I want to help the church answer is why can't we be doing this here? Mm-hmm. If Good. We should just be making disciples here. We should teach the Bible, teach theology to see people shape and formed. And so it's part of my story, which is why I'm so passionate about it. Man, that's great. So when you say you're the pastor of the Village Church Institute, maybe mm-hmm. just give a real brief, what is the Village Church Institute? Yeah. And what are some of the moving pieces there? Yeah, so the Village Church Institute really exists to try to help uh, new Christians, all the way up to kind of mature Christians, have environments for uh, them to learn more about the Bible and the theolo- and theology. So uh, like Jen already mentioned, we have classes, we have forums where we try to introduce people to uh, really important Bible topics or cultural topics, perhaps. That we just think every single Christian needs to know about. But then I also help uh, teach them what we call the training program. We try to take people from our classes into this next environment called the training program to give them something a little bit deeper, perhaps a, uh, maybe uh, more views on theological topics. So they can really wrestle for themselves. And then we're also going to start a residency here to help train pastors, church planters, executive level leaders, because we want uh, our most mature people to have environments where they can learn. And so that's really a big departure from the way education has been done in the church in the past is, is typically there's kind of this uh, almost like plateau you hit. You you reach, uh, you know, this Sunday school class and Sunday school classes are great. Don't hear me the wrong way, but it kind of is you're in the same class for 40 years uh, and grateful for the perseverance in that, but there's never really opportunity for, for further growth. And so the Institute is trying to kind of create this stair-step model of growing in your faith. That's great. So now it's time to... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Who are you? Yeah, who uh, are you? Thank you so much for asking. It wasn't in the script at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> my, uh, I'm Kyle Worley. I get to serve as a minister in the Institute Department. So Jen and I both work in the Institute Department. And so um, I get to... Jen gets to focus on classes a lot, and I get to help focus on the training program. And so I help administrate that program, care for our people in that program. I teach in that program. And I'm passionate, just as Jen and JT are, about theological education and biblical literacy in the life of the local church. And we just are really on cloud nine that we get an opportunity to do that and believe really firmly uh, that one of the main roles and functions of the church is to provide basic theological training mm-hmm. and biblical equipping for their people. And so that's what we're attempting to do. And we're thrilled that we get to do that. I, I want to come back to you for a moment, Jen, because I know I've heard you talk about this a lot, and I love to hear you talk about it. Because what are you, you saying? Are you saying that I rant? <laughs> no, I, but it's a good rant. Insinuate that. <laughs> <laughs> Most of them are good, um, but I want to hear you share a little bit more about. So you talk about biblical literacy in life of the local church. What are some of the unique obstacles and opportunities that you think are present, not just in our local church, but in local churches generally? So I think obstacles, obviously, everybody's really busy. And I think one of the things that the church has kind of bought into is, wow, they only have so much time to give during the week. And so we need to really streamline and make sure that we're only asking a bare minimum of people when it comes to these things. And what I've really discovered is that generally across the board, no matter what it is that we're adding to our calendars, people commit to things that raise the bar, not Mm -hmm. things that lower the bar. And that's how you establish buy-in and that's how you keep their interest. So... One of the things that I'm hoping to build back into the life of the village church and then also that I hope to see at other churches as well is that we would move away from the idea that we have to dumb it down in order 
to make it something that people will participate in. You want to make it accessible, certainly. I mean, that is a high value in everything that we're doing here. But there's a difference between accessibility and dumbing something down. So I think that historically, at least in my experience in in the local church, in various local churches, has been that we have done the work for our students. We've asked them to come and consume information. And the environments that we're trying to create here at the village are not that. They are places where we expect uh, and want the students to be doing uh, the portions of the work that are appropriate for them to do. There's a saying, never do for your student what your student is capable of doing for themselves. And so we try to keep that in mind as we're putting together curriculum and designing the way that we're going to do the classes because I don't want people to just learn a particular book of the Bible or a particular concept. I want them to be better at mining the scriptures on their own because they've learned tools once they finish in one of our environments. So those are some of the challenges that we're up against. But really, I found every time that we've raised the bar and yet removed any barriers to entry that we were uh, perhaps not paying attention to, like scheduling or um, childcare, all those kinds of things, when we remove the obstacles that are right to remove, and then raise the bar on what we're asking of people, the response has been overwhelmingly positive. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I mean, this is certainly a topic that uh, you have spent a lot of time and spilled a lot of ink thinking about and yeah. considering and helping churches consider. If there was somebody who's listening to this podcast and they're saying, okay, I want to be studying the Bible more effectively, what's maybe one encouragement you would give them? Just one encouragement. Yeah, the most basic place to start with that is to start reading repetitively, to, to pick a book of the Bible and stay there and, you know, gather your basic sort of what I call archaeological information, like get your study Bible out and read the background information on the book and then put that away and just sit with the text itself and start at the beginning of the book, read to the end, and and then go back and read it again and, and just try to get the text under your skin because I think that the biggest piece that we tend to be missing in the church today, we love application. We want to know how the Bible should change us. But application is a product of comprehension and then interpretation. Mm-hmm. And so if yeah. you skip those first two steps and move right to application, the likelihood that you're going to draw the right conclusion about what you should do is diminished. So comprehension is the most neglected aspect of Bible study, I would yeah. say, in, in church environments today. We've underestimated it. We even think it's boring. But if you start with repetitive reading, the text will begin to take on life for you just as you familiarize yourself with what it says. I'll never forget I had a teacher once related to kind of comprehension and observation. I'd never done this. Again, I kind of went into school as somebody who had literally, I didn't grow up with the flannel graphs. I didn't grow up mm-hmm. knowing the basic Bible stories. And so he said, go to Acts 1.8. And that's a short verse, just mm-hmm. a few words. And he says, come back with 25 <laughs> interpretations next week. I'm like, there's less than 25 words. There's no way that's happening. So I spend hours trying to come out with all these different uh, just observations of basic comprehension of the text. Mm-hmm. And I'm so proud of myself coming back into class. I got, I got 25. I bet nobody else got 25. And then we ended up having to do 50 the next week. And I'm like, there is no way this is going <laughs> That guy's awesome. But what's incredible, I'm like, there's a period at the end. You know, that's, yeah. that ends yeah. up being observations at the end. But really the, the goal for him was is opening your imagination, your eyes to how much is actually in the biblical text. Mm-hmm. That's- Have you ever wondered what is God's heart towards you? In this noisy world, God's heart beats hard with love and mercy. But how can God share his heart with us when he doesn't have our attention? You're invited to spend 100 days discovering the beautiful, merciful heart of God with Overflowing Mercies, a new devotional by Craig Allen Cooper. 
The Lord is not ashamed of you or quick-tempered toward your faults. Each one of your weaknesses, faults, frailties, and failures does more to arouse God's love than to stir up his anger. If you could fathom in some small way how warmly God truly feels about you, the faintest grasp of his immeasurable affection would reduce you to tearful wonder and heartfelt gratitude. As God's mercies are new every single morning, overflowing mercies will continue to be a constant well of refreshing comfort, encouragement, and strength. It's perfect for personal quiet times, family and dinner table devotions, and small groups. Let this devotional help you get intentional, stay connected to God, and continue loving others. Order your copy of Overflowing Mercies, 100 Meditations on the Tender Heart of God today at moodypublishers.com or wherever great books are sold. Do you ever get stuck wondering how to study a Bible passage? The Courage for Life Study Bibles for Women and the Courage for Life Study Bibles for Men have over 1,400 Bible studies. That's a Bible study on every page of Bible text. Access to the Filament Bible app lets you dive even deeper. If you download the app and you scan the page number, you can open up a world of resources, including over 25,000 additional study notes, hundreds of videos, and a full audio Bible. Start discovering at courageforlifebible.com. That's courageforlifebible.com for incredible study notes and an incredible study Bible. So often we can just kind of move over quickly and that repetitive reading can really help. So if you uh, hear us say this phrase quite often, biblical literacy and theological education. So JT, why don't you tell us a little bit about, yes, biblical literacy, but also theological education, education and sound doctrine, and maybe some of the different ways that takes shape in the life of a local congregation and why it's urgent. Yeah, I mean, certainly those two things are definitely not at odds. And we're kind of talking almost synonymously when right. we think about Bible literacy uh, and theological formation. But really, when we think about theological formation, we're thinking about the doctrines that kind of fuel the worship of the church, that make kind of declarative statements about who God is, what the world is like, who we are as his as his people or as his creatures, and kind of helps orient people to things that we think are true about the world and God and ourselves. And so doctrine kind of becomes almost this, I don't even, I don't even want to use that term, but just Christian teaching becomes this place that helps us kind of structure what the Christian life can look like that fuels our worship of who God is. And so often I had a dichotomy set up for me uh, early in my Christian faith that there was a, a negative relationship between learning things about God and worshiping God. It was right. like this really weird thing of like, well, the more you learn about him, the more you're not going to worship him. And right. I just never understood that. It just made no sense to me that mm-hmm. that I would I would, I would would come to know beautiful things about who God is and what he's done on my behalf and that I want to worship him less. And right. so my experience, even in some of the driest classes I've been a part of, was just trying to still take nuggets out of those classes that would fuel my worship for God And when we think about then worshiping God, that fuels me wanting to go back to learn more about God. So rather than seeing a competitive relationship between theology and worship, seeing a complementary relationship between those two things. And so my passion really is, is to show people how theology, and I'll I'll make a big statement here. I think it's the most practical thing anybody can do. When we think that the term theology just means the study of God. Yeah, absolutely. If there's anything more practical in the world, please tell me, because I want to go do that instead. 
But I think theology is the most practical thing anybody can give their life to. Agreed. And I think the need, and I think we would agree that the need for this is urgent. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, did y'all see the state of theology yes. study that yes. like Lifeway and yes. Ligonier appeared up? Yeah, yeah, Last yeah. year. Yes. I it mean, was really it was, encouraging, right? Oh my Couldn't gosh. sleep for three days. <laughs> it was alarming. It was alarming to, to read. And as you, um, they do a good summary of the data. You can check it out, thestateoftheology.com. But they do a good job of summarizing. But when you actually start digging into a lot of the questions there and the responses they got from self-identified evangelicals, it was deeply concerning. I mean, a couple of numbers jumped out at me. 46% of evangelicals agree with the idea that God accepts the worship of all religions. It's mm-hmm. almost 50% of all evangelicals. 50% of evangelicals agree with this statement that an individual must contribute his or her own effort for personal salvation. These are big red flags, right, right, in the life of the church. And so when we think about the scriptural admonition in in Ephesians 4, you know, it it indicates that one of the roles of the leaders of the church is what? To equip the saints, Mm -hmm. right, for the work of ministry so that we may no longer be tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. And so this is a vital need in the life of the church. Would you agree? Oh, there's no doubt about it. Absolutely. Yeah, and that report was, I mean, like you said, Jen, kept you up, right? Well, I, you know, I had two sensations. One was I'm never going to sleep again, and the other was, well, I still have a job. You know, right. you're like, I guess <laughs> yeah, I'm going to work right. tomorrow, you know. So, yeah, but I mean, also, on the one hand, it was shocking, but on the other hand, it was almost like a confirmation, you know, of what you're seeing on the ground. And and I look at it as, you know, you want. I think that our, our reaction can be to shame the the person in the pews, Whereas really, if we look at this, what this is showing us is it's, it's a, it's a, really, it's a, there's a void in what the local church has done to equip its Well, yes, yeah, so I think rather than shaming them, I, I genuinely identify with them. Exactly. Because not only was it me, sometimes it still is me because I'm asking my church here at the village and my pastors to continually equip me. Well, because, and someone helped me. Yes. So how could I not, you know, and, but then you think about it, this is the great commission, right? I mm-hmm. mean, it's, it's go and make disciples teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. Right. And so there's just, there's been a breakdown. And I think, you know, it goes back to kind of this antithetical relationship that's been set up between uh, feelings and, and thinking in the church that one, one subverts the other or, or, or kills the other. And it, there's, it's never been more true about anyone to say to know him is to love him yeah. than it is true about God. You will never learn anything about God that will cause you to love him less. It will only increase your love for him. And we understand that in human terms. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, a big part of what we are setting out to do is to remove that false dichotomy is to say, you know, these these two things actually coexist with one another and feed feed one another. And that if you have a life that is solely of the mind or a life that is solely uh, feelings driven, uh, then then you're atrophied. You're not functioning the way that you should as a believer. Yeah, Yeah, that's good. I mean, so if we think about uh, this being an overwhelming burden for us in the life of this church, why would we start a podcast about this? Like, why would we go, okay, listen, we're doing this here. Now we want to do a podcast to kind of talk about these issues. Why are, why are we doing this? Yeah, I mean, so when we kind of first started thinking about training in the Institute here at the Village, I think it, I mean, the way I described my experience of trying to think through this is it felt a lot like uh, the church is a toddler learning to walk again into kind of maturity in terms of Bible literacy yeah. and theological formation. And we need to regularly be in conversation with each other and with others into how to do this well. I think the last thing I want to communicate in talking about this on the podcast and what we're doing in the Institute is, hey, here's the way to do here's the way to do theological right. education or Bible literacy in the church. Well, we think we have a few things figured out that we'd like to help, but at the same time, we want to have a conversation with each other and with other churches saying, how are you doing this? How can right. you leapfrog what we're doing here so that we can learn from you. And so we're just, I think, really trying to kind of 
uh, start or instigate or kind of fan the flame uh, for other churches thinking about this uh, with us. We don't want to tell you what to do. We want you to think with us on how to do it. You're so noble <laughs> because I'm, I'm going to be honest. Whenever Why are I, you here, Kyle? Well, yeah, well, I'll tell you. I mean, I think part of the motivation for starting this podcast for me was selfishly, even though we work together just in the hubbub, it's not as often as I'd like that we get to sit in the room and just do theology together and, so right. was, the, yeah, and learn from one another. And so to be able to like pencil this in and schedule and go, yeah. wouldn't it be cool for us to show up in a room and talk about the Trinity? For 30 minutes. That and would if, be cool. I think that I'll would just be sit cool. quietly and listen. No. To that one. <laughs> no, you're going to be pounding this. You're going to be like, where do you teach this in the Bible? Well, <laughs> and we're going to go like, well, you know, Chalcedon says, and you're going to say, okay, that's not Matthew. Too many syllables. Yeah. Right. But, uh, but I was so selfish in, in thinking through this podcast because I was like, you know what? This will be an incredible opportunity. And really, what we're going to try to do on this is not just tell you how to do theological education or biblical literacy as if we would even be the people to say that definitively, but to just get in the room and do theology and try to model how how we shape each other's ideas as we think through biblical text, Mm -hmm. as we think through doctrine and its implications in the life of the church. And then we thought, you know what, if we're going to do this, let's just let some folks listen in on this. Mm -hmm. Jen, what about you? What are you excited about with this podcast? Yeah, I like that. I like it because I think that people think that learning about theology or learning or becoming more biblically literate, I think they think it's strictly linear. I think that they think um, there are right answers and I need to take them in and commit them to memory rather than there, there's a lot of dialogue that goes on and there's a lot of wrestling and that ultimately what I'm responsible for is not being able to articulate Kyle's idea of what a passage means, but I have to, I'm responsible to my best reading of the text and accountable, you know, by the power of the Holy Spirit to, to bring all of my own intellectual ability to bear on that. So, um, I'm eager for this to be an environment in which people can hear us, um, think through how we each love God with our individual minds and, and then to to bounce ideas off of one another and, and to be shaped by what each other think. And also, I mean, honestly, we have some fights sometimes. <laughs> oh, <we do>. <laughs> I'm hoping those don't make it onto the final product here, but... No, uh, I, I, I guarantee you they will. <laughs> well, you know, I really don't... I want people to to understand if, if there were, you know, one thing that we could give to the church, it would be to remove this idea that there are experts and that there right. are novices and that those two groups share nothing in common. That's just, mm-hmm. just not true. I mean, there are obviously there are people who are teachers and there are people who have greater um, learning than others in these things, but we are all called to love God with our minds. And so there, there's going to have to be a sharing of ideas and, a, and dialoguing around that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we each, we each have different emphases, right? Right. I mean, so Jen, I mean, you're, you certainly have made it a huge part of your ministry and training to be able to effectively exegete and teach the Bible. Because that's the most important part, Kyle. <laughs> well, 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 we'll see. I prefer to move on to drawing conclusions <laughs> from the Bible, but... <laughs> And so it'll be fun to see kind of how our distinctive strengths and weaknesses play out and as we learn from one another. So when we think about um, what we're going to be covering on the podcast, what are those things that we're going to be covering? Kind of what are the arcs that we're following this year and why did we choose those things? JT, you want to speak into that? Yes. I mean, over this next year, uh, I'll even take a step back and kind of give the why behind this. So we're doing theology here at the Village regularly for our learning environments. And what that looks like is us working through different curriculums for our classes, whether it's Matthew or we did Genesis last year. Kyle, you and I are regularly teaching in the training program. And so rather than come up with this whole other set of content that we need to be preparing for, we just kind of thought, what would it look like for people to jump into the conversation with us of what we're already doing? So regularly, we're going to be pulling topics out of the Gospel of Matthew, which we're going to be working through in our classes this year at the Village Church. 
But other times we're going to be working through different topics that we're thinking about in the training program, whether that's what does it mean to be an image bearer? What does it mean to, uh, what, do, what does it mean that God is uh, three, but yet one and one and yet three? What does it mean uh, when we talk about the doctrine of sin? You know, so these are the things that we talk about regularly in the training program. And so we, again, are just going to invite people into kind of those arcs that are already happening here at the village rather than creating this whole separate content for this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say that knowing that some folks in our audience will be people that are here at TVC that are involved in our learning environments, they may be able to use this resource as a supplement to a Bible class or to the training program, or even maybe they've heard about classes or the training program or forums or whatever, and they've just been hesitant to jump in, not really knowing if it's for them. Maybe this could be a good introduction to some of those environments here in the life of this church to kind of see like, you know what, I think I could step in and really be profitable. Uh, and, and those could be fruitful environments for, it to be, for me to be in. But regardless of where you're at and what church you're a part of, whether you're here or you're somewhere else, we hope that you will engage with this podcast and that you'll find it to be a profitable mm-hmm. resource as you study the Bible and consider who God is and what he has done and what our response to him should be. So I want us to take a little bit of time here at the end because folks might at this point be like, okay, I get it. This is what the podcast is about. So let's give them a little bit of fireworks, okay? Let's give a little bit of heat here at the Uh end. I want to ask the question, what do you think is the single biggest biblical or theological issue facing the church today? The single biggest, the thing that is really staring us in the face, what is that issue in the life of the church? Jen? Well, I mean, I'm on record on this. It, I, I think that it's Bible literacy. I, I do think that uh, there, there are two categories of people, if I were going to put people in two baskets, which would obviously be oversimplifying, but there are those who think they know the Bible and actually don't. These are the typical people that, you know, I find coming to classes. They think they know the Bible because they went to VBS or they grew up in the church. And so they're like, yeah, I know the story of Moses. And then there are those who think they know nothing about the Bible and they can't possibly and those two groups of people, they represent the future of the church, and they have a, a right and an obligation, a joyful obligation to have access to their text. And so uh, it's, it's complicated by the fact that in most cases, you don't just have a Bible literacy issue that you're dealing with. You can have a literacy, just a general literacy right, issue yeah. on top of that. People have not necessarily ever been taught how to read critically to begin with, much less to take the Bible, an ancient text, and read yeah, it critically. So I think that my hope is to be able to give access to the people of God, to the words of God, mm-hmm. in a way that perhaps they have not had, even if they've spent years in the church. And that is, that's the most frequent email I get. That's the one that, you know, keeps me coming back every day is I've been in church my whole life and no one has shown me how to do this. I want that email to stop coming. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's a good hope. JT, yeah, yeah, I think I think I would answer it uh, really similarly, and this is some this is a topic that I've given some thought and uh, and and writing to uh, several years ago. But I'll phrase it maybe a little bit differently. I think we have uh, like a doctrinal statement that would say we think the Bible is authoritative, but we have a functional doctrine in a lot of churches where the Bible isn't practiced in terms of it having any any kind of real authority there. And right. so, but here's the thing that's encouraging: this is nothing new. The, the The authority of Scripture has been something that's been challenged really at almost every turn in church history. And so uh, when I say the Bible being taken as God's authoritative word given to the church for faithful life and practice and worship of God, uh, that's not something new. It's not like this came up in the 90s. We're like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? People don't think the Bible is authoritative anymore. This is something that that's really been, I think, the case for the church for, for a long time. Yeah. I, I took a little bit different angle, but I'm glad because that shows our that's distinct. That's why we're all here, right? Exactly. Right? Here we go. But I 
I, I really think when I think about um, as we're talking with people uh, in the training program or in class environments, the issue that seems to keep bubbling up for people is really a longing to be united to Christ and really that they have not really heard often enough that by faith, They have been brought into union to Christ Jesus. And so when I think about the greatest theological dilemma facing the evangelical church, I think that what's happened is that in our real recovery of the doctrine of justification, which is a great doctrine that we want to emphasize, that a lot of believers have kind of a worm to riches theology. They're like, they know at one point I was a sinful worm and then Jesus died. And because of Jesus' death, I'm no longer that. But they don't really know, like, okay, what does it mean? What is my relationship to Christ like now? Yeah, now What's really yeah. happening? And I think that that doctrine of union with Christ is the thing that brings vibrancy to our obedience presently, mm-hmm. our worship presently, and our mission presently. And so when I think about how do I want to see the church strengthen, I think, man, that is a doctrine that if we could recover, I think that it would alleviate a lot of the kind of wondering about what is my relationship to Jesus like right now and why is that significant? And so I'm excited about exploring all of these issues with you guys. I don't, there's nobody I enjoy doing theology more with than Jen Wilkin and JT English. I thought you were just going to say Jen Wilkin. I was going to say amen. <laughs> well, I was going to say I was going to say Jen Wilkin and anybody but JT. <laughs> but you're my boss, so I had to just like throw you in just, there. We're going to remind people of that regularly. I know there is an imbalance of power in this room, and I feel it. <laughs> I feel it. Thanks for listening to Knowing Faith, a podcast of training the church. For more information, you can look into the show notes in the podcast description. We'd be honored for you to leave us a podcast review on iTunes or wherever you find your podcast. You can find us online at trainingthechurch.com. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter by searching Knowing Faith. We'll see you next time. Grace and peace. Grace and peace.